Look at my butt. Show number 204 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK talk track for Shatmoy. Happy Shatmoy. A moist and merry Shatmoy to you all. Oh, the wonderful festival of Shatmoy has come around once again. And today is Bill's birthday. Today, today is the very day. The very day. And he is... 84. Oh, it's amazing. And still going strong. I mean, he's he's, he's more than the Energizer Bunny because I don't think he needs his batteries changed. No. And he, but, his wife doesn't even allow him to drink caffeinated coffee. So that should, I know. that should tell you something right there. <laughs> well, Leonard once told a story of uh, someone accidentally gave Bill caffeinated coffee. <laughs> and it was frightening. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. He said, you don't, you don't even want to get near this guy. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I saw um, a picture of Bill had been posted to just a, a discussion forum, and people were saying, um, Bill looks pretty good for an 84-year-old guy. And, and some person commented and said, holy shit, Shatner is over 80? I figured he must be old, but he really looks a lot younger. He and does. everybody says, whenever I see current pictures of him, I somehow figure he's in his mid-60s. Yep. That's about how old he looks to me. And I've seen several comments like that on and off online mm-hmm. about how good he looks. And, you know, he's still doing everything and taking on even more. Oh, I, all the time. He's going to, he's getting ready for the horse show. He's been tweeting about that a lot lately. Because mm-hmm. that's coming up He soon. hasn't announced, though, who the music guest star is, has he? No, I don't think so. Maybe they're negotiating for someone. Okay. All right. So also, in addition to today being Bill's birthday and this being the Festival of Shatmoy, today is also Talk Like William Shatner Day. Which, of of course, why wouldn't it be? (laughs) And I I only mention it because it was started by the voice actor Maurice LaMarche, who does um, his impression of Shatner in um, various different forms, but he also does the voice of Calculon. And we had talked about the episode of Futurama called Calculon 2.0, which was a very nice episode, mostly about Bill, even though it was about Calculon. Calculon, the robot. So yes, and his his impression of William Shatner is amazing. I'll put in a link to the video where he started the tradition of Talk Like William Shatner Day. And his his impression of older Bill is amazing mm-hmm. because it sounds just like older Bill. It's it's great. Well, that one guy who was on Saturday Night Live maybe like five years oh, ago yes, I remember. is the only person I've ever seen even attempt an impression of older Bill because mm-hmm. he was doing Denny Crane. That's right. I'm doing a really good job of it. It was. It was an amazing Denny Crane. I thought it was terrific. I, we talked about it because the sketches mm-hmm. that they had weren't actually that funny, but his impression was dead on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I hope Bill's having a wonderful day with his family. I hope that they're um, not burning the house down by grilling things and... <laughs> He's enjoying his new house, right? All the new stuff in the house. Yes, so maybe yes. Now, did you see he posted a picture of his Super Bowl party? I don't think I saw that. Oh. Oh, he. Oh, I'm sorry. He was on his Facebook group the other day, <gasps> and he posted a picture from his football party. And there is a little girl. I will have to post this picture. A little girl, not exactly acting up, but sort of stealing focus the way kids do. Mm-hmm. And you know it's one of the granddaughters or great-granddaughters at this point because she looks like all of his daughters. <laughs> and of course, it would be one of his granddaughters who's attempting to steal the show from everybody else because, of course, what do you do when she's you're a, Shatner? She's, yeah, and when you're a Shatner and you're like seven years old or whatever she is, of course you're going, ah! <laughs> Oh, that's great. So I will have to, uh, you know, snag that and, and put it up yes. because, yes, so you would not have seen it, but I did. Oh, I'm, I definitely want to see it. Well, we have so much stuff. We've oh, my both God. had lists of things. So there's a lot of little newsy things that I think we can get through, um, you know, to let people know what's going on. So do you want to pick something off your list? Well, before we get to the list, I want to talk about uh, Sarai's latest <gasps> yes. episode recap. Mm-hmm. And I just watched it like five minutes before we did the show, which is why it's not on the list. But um, she was reviewing Who Mourns for Adonis. Mm-hmm. And there are many, many reasons to watch this one. I'm assuming you have all watched them all because they are so wonderful and entertaining. But um, let's see. Uh, she does a wonderful impression of Uhura screaming <laughs> when the green hand is crushing the spaceship. Uh-huh. 
And then, you know, Apollo captures them and everything. And then Kirk comes up with a plan. <laughs> and McCoy tells him, okay, that's a good plan, but it'll get us killed. <laughs> I'm not sure McCoy ever actually told him it was a good plan. <laughs> Mostly he's on the side of, you know, this is going to get us killed, don't you? Yes. <laughs> yes. But also, Carolyn's dress. Remember that oh, pink yes, one? Yes. Okay. When Carolyn turns around and walks away and you can see that there is nothing on top Mm -hmm. in the back of that she goes well carolyn's dress is really pretty but and then she like puts her hands up to her mouth like she's whispering to us and says she needs to put something (laughs) (laughs) but she has been watching a lot of shatner i think because her little reenactment of when apollo dissolves into Uh the whatever primo you gotta watch it Mm. You gotta watch it. This girl's got such a future. Oh. And she she this was kind of frightening. She's wearing a red shirt. <gasps> That's not good. Yeah, Never. I know, but she she did survive this episode, so but anyway, so I just wanted to quickly quickly get those in because <laughs> that's a good plan, but it'll get us killed. <laughs> oh McCoy, always the naysayer. <laughs> You know, McCoy is really why by Captain Kirk had to make that risk as our business speech because <laughs> he doesn't want to take any risks. He's he's anti-risk. It's like, why are you well, on this ship anyway, huh? It, <laughs> to clean up the mess when, you know, it all goes south like it usually does. But right before Kirk makes the this is our this risk is our business speech, McCoy is going, we can't do it. It's too risky. Mm-hmm. And Kirk in his speech even says, Dr. McCoy is right. It's dangerous. You know, so you're, yeah. But risk is our business. His job is to be the sh- the ship's wet blanket. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Okay. Okay. Next. Uh, what, what do we want to talk about? Um, well, let's see. I'm trying to read the list. <laughs> and uh, Well, I can tell you that um, I had seen two of the pieces of Trek crap, and one of them is not even crappy, uh, that you had mentioned, and I tweeted both of them. So we could just briefly do those. um, Okay. The precious moments thing. Oh, yes. I absolutely wanted to talk about this because it just about made me lose my lunch. It's it's horrible. It's really horrible. Um, Um, I have to tell you (laughs) that I was once... A friend and I were asked to leave a Hallmark store (laughs) because we were making fun of the precious moments. Oh, you're so bad. That's that's terrible. I I am evil. I am. But, you know, I wear this as a badge of honor. But honestly, I could not think of any other reason for precious moments to exist (laughs) except for people to make fun of. this, This, I don't understand who would actually buy this if you were a fan of Star Trek. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. So to describe it, um, it's two, are they kids? Are they people? I I don't quite know. I don't know, but they have, they look like, they look like they're from, what was that horror movie Bill did? Devil's Rain? (laughs) They look like they've had their eyes poked out by the Devil's Rain people. Mm -hmm. Remember how that looked? They do, because their eyes are basically um, droplets of black, pure black. Yeah, yeah. So they look very evil, very Village of the Damned. Um, So it's it's a guy and a girl, and they're sitting in a recliner eating popcorn, and they're watching Star Trek on their big screen television, and around their feet are some tribbles. And then there's a dog... That's wearing a blue tunic and has Spock ears glued onto his regular dog ears. And that must be painful. I know. That's pet abuse. It, that's animal it abuse. It really is. So the guy is wearing a gold tunic and the woman's wearing um, Uhura's red dress thing. And she's holding her little hand up in a live long and prosper symbol. And she's also got her hair in a, I guess it's like a Janice Rand-ish style. Yeah. Well, I was thinking they are attempting to show us Kirk and Rand. Are they really? That's what I was thinking. I guess you're right. The only reason I would have this incredibly (laughs) nausea-making piece of track crap is so that I could make a stop-action movie of my Kirk doll destroying. (laughs) That would be good. I'd I'd pay to see that. Because this thing is so, so very wrong. Yeah. And then at the bottom uh, it has the the Star Trek um, insignia and then it says live long and prosper TM. 
But it's written in, it's not Comic Sans. It's a font that's more annoying than Comic Sans. It is. It's like cute Comic Sans. Yeah, as if, you know, we needed that. Well, it's pretty bad. And, um, oh, I forgot to look up to see how much they're selling it for. I'm sure it's expensive, right? Well, let's see. It's more than it's worth. I'm sure of that. <laughs> it's made of porcelain. Well, it's from the Hamilton collection. It is a hundred fucking dollars. Oh my god, that's crazy! Oh, it's also available in four installments of twenty four ninety nine. Just in case you don't oh, good. have that hundred bucks. Wow! It says it's an officially licensed figurine. It celebrates Star Trek and true Trekkies. Says who? No. Oh, let's see. Here's some. Here's some copy. Oh, okay. Set phasers to fun. <laughs> Set phasers to to stunned and sick to my stomach. And beam aboard the Starship Enterprise without ever leaving your home spaceport. It's well, that's not fun. <laughs> it's easy with this precious moment Star Trek figurine because these two Star Trek fans are all suited up and ready to travel to your home at warp speed. Okay, so they're fans. Oh, this is so, you know, in a way that's worse. Mm. I mean, did fans authorize this? Oh, I don't know. It, Do fans like being represented <laughs> this way? I certainly don't. Here's the thing that makes me... Just think about possibilities. Um, This collectible Precious Moments figurine is expertly hand-sculpted and painted by hand in fine bisque porcelain to capture every Trek-tastic detail. No two figurines are exactly alike, which Uh leads me to wonder, are there some where they're like, he has a mustache? (laughs) (laughs) What happened to your beard? (laughs) (laughs) Or where they put like a beer in his hand or... You know, she's got a, a knife or something. That's what I would want. I would want them to be different like that. Or they've got a remote and, you know, they're changing channels. Oh, that would be oh good. my goodness. All right. A hundred bucks for that. Definitely. Um, now, the mm. other thing I think is far better and it would actually be a thing that I would buy because I just think it's super, super cool. Um, and that is the Star Trek sushi set. Oh my God! This is amazing. Yes. This is this is super super cool. So um, it it was posted at Trek Today, and you can get it from Think Geek, and it's a Star Trek sushi set. So it's the Enterprise, right? And the nacelles mm-hmm. hold the chopsticks, and then the saucer part opens up, and that's where you put the soy sauce. Yes. It's so cool. Oh, and it is actually, it's on a wooden base, so you get the whole little thing. So it's it's the kind of wood block that they serve sushi on in restaurants with the little feet. So mm-hmm. It's so yeah, cool. Yeah, that, that's, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> do you think they would have this at my local sushi restaurant, my Star Trek sushi Probably restaurant? Probably not, but I bet you could bring it, and I bet they would be pretty impressed with you at the sushi <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> Well, I'm wondering, you know, how in the uh, the episode where they were having fake turkeys for Thanksgiving <laughs> made out of God knows what, what would they, you know, is this, why did we not see this in the, like, formal dinner with Khan or the Klingons? This is true. It would have been great. Maybe there's some rule about, like, when you're on an Enterprise, a, a starship, you can't have things in the shape of the starship or something for eating. Oh. I don't know. For eating. It's a very specific <laughs> You can rule. have the model. Because Picard has models of all the enterprises in Yes, in well, he's training. such a geek. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Picard has one of these also. And he just Maybe takes so. it out for special occasions. Mm, when he wears his formal gown. That's right. His, uh, his, <laughs> his dress uniform, as, and as someone has pointed out, when Captain Kirk wears a dress uniform, it isn't actually a dress. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. So I thought this was great. I, I really would do it. Let's see how much this costs. Oh, it's thirty four ninety nine. That's a much better buy than the, the horrible precious moments. It is, especially because the Enterprise, I believe, is made of um, stainless steel. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. It'll last and looks good. So when do they come out with the uh, Star Trek slow cooker <laughs> and the... Um, Oh, what's it called where you you have the pot with the oil in it and you cook your food at the table? Oh, um, just, uh, I can't, I can't remember it. there's a word for it, yes. Um, but that would be, that would be good. Now, I think if they were going to make a Star Trek slow cooker, it should look like Nomad. Oh, wow, right? yes. It's the right shape. It could have all the little lights that light up on the front and the top would be like his head. That would be cool. <laughs> or... Hmm, 
a Star Trek because they've got, you know, now that I'm seeing them dip things into the saucer section, um, a chip and dip thing. That would be good. That would be So, like, good. the dip goes in, of course, the saucer, mm-hmm. and the chips are all in little bowls that are shaped like the shuttlecraft. Wow. That's a great idea. You should go to Paramount. Fondue. Fondue. Go, go to Paramount <laughs> and ask them if you can license that, and we'll sell it on Etsy. Well, you know, why wouldn't they? If they're licensing precious moments, I mean, they've really hit rock bottom. In fact, the, well, no. No, that wouldn't work. Just, uh, yeah. But the sushi thing, that's, I mean, that's bordering on cool. I like it. I really it's like strange. it. It's strange. I salute whoever thought of yeah. it. <laughs> now, there's one more piece of Trek crap here, which is the uh, Star Trek USS Enterprise flying disc. Yes. This is pretty cool. It's basically a Frisbee, but but mm-hmm. it has the rest of the ship attached to the Frisbee part, which is the saucer section. So I'm a little unclear on how you throw this without hurting yourself and how it's actually going to fly across a field. Because Frisbees are aerodynamic because they're just Frisbees. They're discs. And when you attach a whole Enterprise to it, how does that work? Well, there are a couple little movies on the site. Yeah. Have you watched them? I think I did, okay. you know, the memory's going, but I think they did, sh- you know, show the guy, like, throwing it. Okay, I'm looking um, at I do want to read the marketing copy. Springtime at Starfleet Academy. <laughs> it's just like any other higher learning institution. The grass is painted green, <laughs> the Orion students are green, and sometimes even the space baloney <laughs> is green. <laughs> Whoever wrote this is kind of clever. But the main similarity is how the student bodies spend more and more time outside, studying, socializing, and throwing their Constitution class flying discs all over campus. And now you can relive your time at the Academy with your very own Star Trek USS Enterprise flying disc. I'm watching the video of the guys throwing it around. It's actually quite funny because they're very, very geeky. It looks like it sort of kind of flies. Well, here's what it says. Um, it, it's pretty It's pretty much what it looks like. There's the saucer section made of space-age plastic, which is the part you throw just like a regular flying disc. But the Star Trek USS Enterprise flying disc also has the rest of the ship attached made of foam. The saucer section spins freely, and the secondary hull actually stabilizes and flies behind it. The result, a USS Enterprise you can easily throw and catch. Hmm. It's the most fun you can have without anti-gravity, a bottle of sorium brandy, and four tribbles. (laughs) Wow. You know, I wonder how fast it's going to break once you start playing with it. It just seems like the body's going to come apart from that, that saucer section pretty darn easily. Mm, well, maybe, but still, you know. It's cool. I kind of like it's it. It's cool. It's cool. And I, I, I love, you know, they should get points for the, the marketing write-up. Uh, the people at Think Geek are hilarious. I also like in the specs, it says mm-hmm. um, it works on all M-class planets. <laughs> in case you were wondering. Well, yeah. Oh, and it says flies just like a regular flying disc, but looks 100% more Kirktacular. <laughs> yeah. For Kirktaculosity. Yes. <laughs> Anything that's more Kirktacular is good. So that's twenty four ninety nine. And Hey, the it. prices are coming down that, as we go through each of these that, things. That's correct. So you can buy that at ThinkGeek. So listeners, which one of these, if you could only pick one, would you want? The Precious Moments figurines, the sushi thing, or the flying disc? Mm. And what does that say about you? Well, personally, I want the fondue thing. <laughs> But nobody has built that yet. Well, I would definitely take the sushi thing. That would be cool. Yeah. So what could be the the fondue, like, forks? Mm. (gasps) De lerpa. De lerpa. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. A whole bunch of lerpas. That would be great. (laughs) And they'd be weighted, so it would be sort of perfect. And then, you know what? You could could have the ends of de lerpa be flat, so you could sort of stand it up next to your Mm -hmm. your thing. That'd be good. Yep. Yep. This is something that must happen, all you creative uh, Etsy types. Now, speaking of creative Etsy types, where did you find this thing for the Spock quilt? Get, I, I don't know why. I was looking through old email looking for something, mm-hmm. and that came up. And it's so old that I, I don't know where it came from. 
but um, let me get that up here. Yeah. So the link that you sent is to Instructables, which is a website where people post uh, instructional videos like how to do this or how to do that. And this is instruct instruction on how to make a Spock quilt. Well, I have to say, it is um, remarkably well done. Yeah. If you want a Spock quilt, it really looks like Spock. Yeah, it's great. It's a um, so it's a sort of uh, I would say it looks pixelated. You know, when you take a picture and you blow it up mm -hmm. a lot, and so it's very blocky. But it's good. It really, you know, it's from a picture, um, like a promo picture of Leonard Nimoy as Spock. So mm -hmm. you look at it and you can instantly recognize it because you see his face and the eyebrows and his bangs. It's a very close-up shot just of his face. This is interesting. I'm reading um, a little on the background. Mm -hmm. Since we all like things sci-fi, I found a great pumpkin carving template of Mr. Spock <laughs> At Pink Ray Gun. Okay. So if you want to make a Mr. Spock pumpkin for for Halloween, there's a, a site for that. Wow. I, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was tired of applique. And uh, so she cropped and scanned the pumpkin carving template into a cross-stitch chart generator wow. to get a grid over. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, there's math involved. This really is a Spock quilt. <laughs> It's great. Wow. Um, so where's the Kirk quilt? Oh, really? There should be a Kirk quilt. Somebody needs to do that. Yes. Somebody who knows what they're doing. Uh, so um, I'm just scrolling through it, and there's, in addition to the instructions, there's a whole bunch of in-progress pictures, so they're showing you actually how to make it. And it's right. really cool to show how it comes together, um, and it's a pretty big quilt. Well, he or she says this is a, a like a quilt-along project. Mm -hmm. So... They're giving you some, you know, if you're into that sort of thing, this really has a lot of lot of detail to it. And somewhere up at the top, I think it said it was 11 feet yeah, or something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's... Oh, no, it's 58 by 82 inches. That's a good size quilt. It is. So what they've done, I didn't get this by looking at it at first, is they tell you what kind of fabrics you need in all different colors and, and different patterns, but they're sort of by light and dark and so as you put this mm -hmm. together and sew all the little pieces in the light and dark make up the textures of the photograph and even though the colors are all different it still actually works to make yes this picture of Spock. it's really really cool yep this is amazing oh, people are so creative it's well they sure are and you know star trek has has spawned a lot of trek crap but a lot of i mean i wouldn't want this i'm not a Spock mm -hmm. person <laughs> if it was a Kirk quilt, that's something different. But, you know, people putting their, their creativity, their imagination to this. Yeah. And I think it's fantastic, especially since it came out so well. Yeah, this is fantastic. So I'll, I'll put the links in for all that. And you guys should totally go and look at this and look at the how the making of. So you can see mm -hmm. how all the different pieces fit together and how it, it just goes from sort of a blur of color. And then you step back and you look at it. It's like, ah, that's the picture right there. Yes, yes, that is it. That's really beautiful. Wonderful. I'm so impressed. Oh, okay, while we are speaking of Spock, um, as everybody knows, we did uh, lose Leonard Nimoy mm -hmm. recently. But um, somebody posted something on the Shatner Facebook that was, um, it unintentionally made me laugh. Somebody posted... On the Shatner Facebook, where, of course, there was a lot going on mm -hmm. at the time of Leonard's death. People talking about how much he'd meant to them and, you know, asking questions. Did Bill actually make it to the funeral? Blah, blah, blah. Does anyone know if Leonard was buried with anything, um, particularly Star Trek, like <laughs> Spock's burial robe? Uh, <laughs> really? Really? Oh, what do they think and he's how like Bella Lugosi that he's going to be buried in his cape? Jeez. Somebody actually brought that up. Oh. You know, that Bella Lugosi did do that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, one of the nicer things about the Shatner board is people there are very kind. Mm -hmm. And so nobody's a idiot. But um, the the part that, that people responded to was when this person said, can we find out? How do we find out? They pointed out, this is a very private yeah. matter for the family. We're, and nobody is going, even if they knew, nobody's going to answer this question for you. 
But, oh, man, it's like, yeah, he he really wanted to reinforce that that was the whole point of his life. Right, right. Uh, yeah. To be buried with movie props. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, oh, so fandom. I thought that was on the list, but it turns out it wasn't. But <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Um, can can we talk about Bill and his dog now? Because I'm, I'm just oh, sort of yes. dying to get to that. Yes, any show with you know dog mention is great. So, so. Um, you found this link somewhere somehow, um, and it's it's it was posted by Zane, of course, to her um, YouTube account, and it's a clip of Bill interviewing Barbara Woodhouse. And it looks like it's from uh, the mid-80s, I guess. Now, I know we watched this clip, like, at a con or Did we? I don't even remember this. I think it predates the show. So I don't think we we ever discussed it, but I know. Okay. So I'm I'm sure this is from her show that she had that was Mm -hmm. on for a long time. And it it looks like she went to Beverly Hills and she talked to some famous people. And Bill was one of those people. So this is like a a four-minute clip of her and him, of course, with his Dobermans. And she's giving him some instruction in how to... Um, train the dogs just to get them to do the basic things like sitting and staying and Bill is hilarious in this for several reasons first because he's wearing very short shorts <laughs> and you can see his legs which are really pale and it's a bit of a contrast mm-hmm. to his face which is sort of tan but he's got like these white white legs with his goofy oh. shorts and he's wearing- well he gets that kind of tan from horseback riding yes. you're not going to wear you know shorts exactly. or a speedo yeah. but he chose yeah. to do this right like he didn't yes. wear pants yeah. he was wearing shorts well we know Bill and clothes <laughs> it's like it's a total disconnect here, and I think he was not prepared for how uh, dominant she is in conversations. If you've ever, <laughs> like, for people who are listening, if you've never seen Barbara Woodhouse, she was a wonderful dog trainer, very English, and very much with people the way she is with dogs. Like, like <laughs> yes. right? Just like talking in their faces and not really letting them get a word in edgewise. And for Bill, I think he was just like, uh oh, I have to actually assert myself here. I can't just coast. Right. Bill is not used to that. Yeah, so it's funny seeing him sort of trying to manipulate the conversation and her not really going along with it and then them bouncing back and forth. <laughs> so that's very funny. Um, so it's good, though. They, they have a little conversation. Bill talks about how one of his dogs became ill and he had to have the dog put to sleep very recently. And then they just, you know, were bonding over the dogs. But the best part is when she's instructing him in how to get the dog, this particular dog, which is just out of puppydom. So it's a Doberman Pinscher, but it's huge, but it's still a puppy. Mm-hmm. You know, how to do the sit and the stay. So she says, you know, to Bill, you have to do this and you have to say, you know, sit and stay. And then the dog's laying down and she says to him, okay, you know, put your hand out, like sort of palm outwards and say, stay. Mm-hmm. And then stand up and, and walk away from the dog. So Bill does it. She's, he's trying to do it like her to stay. And she's like, that's it. Now just get up and walk away. And he does. And then the camera turns to him and he's backing away from his dog with his hand out in front of him. And it is the most dramatic stay <laughs> that you could imagine a human being doing. It's just like he's on Star Trek and he's like, stay. <laughs> and he's got his hand out and his hand is totally like tensed up. Like he's actually pushing against something. And the look on his face is of complete and utter commitment and concentration to getting well. the dog to stay. It's so funny. I'm not at all surprised oh. at the complete commitment because <laughs> that's how Bill does it. It's so, it, I mean, it's so Bill. It's just so very funny. And of course the dog is just sitting there looking at him like, okay. And I was going to ask you, do they have a shot of the dog like rolling its eyes or, or doing that, that ear cocked thing? Like what the fuck is going on? No, the dog's just sitting there. And then finally, you know, she's like, very good. And he's like, yeah, come here. And the dog runs up to him like, ah, I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> It's wonderful. It is some of the best four minutes of Bill that I've ever seen. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch that. Oh, it's just great. But I, I, I love that Bill is so 110% into everything. And especially because in this instance, someone was instructing him on what to do, right? So yes. it's not that he was showing off a thing that he already knew how to do. It was that he was trying to do the thing better you know like to, yes. to, to say like yes you've taught me this thing and now I can do it and I'm great and it's just it's wonderful oh. I think I think yeah well you know and it's it's a great illustration of how Bill approaches everything yes. in his life you know if if you ask Bill to unload the dishwasher mm-hmm. 
He's going to unload a dishwasher better than anybody has ever done it before. Yes. Absolutely. I, I just, I always think of the thing. It is going to be the most unloaded dishwasher ever. I, so did you make this up? Because you said it and it always sticks in my mind, but that Bill lives his life in superlatives. Yes. Well, that is the quote for the century. And I love that you said that. And I'm going to start attributing that to you all of the time. Oh, okay. Because yeah, it yeah. is absolutely true about Bill. Everything in his life is a superlative. Everything he does, he does in superlatives. It was when, I even remember when, when this came up, it was when we were discussing when he was filming The Intruder, uh-huh. and the guy lent him the car, and we were talking about, well, of course it's the fastest car, <laughs> yes. because everything in Bill's life is the fastest car, the most beautiful woman, mm-hmm. the, you know, whatever, and yeah. Oh. That was it. It's just, it's great. And I think it comes up every time we talk about a thing that Bill has done. (laughs) And I love that it it has carried through his whole life. You know, he's 84 years old and he's still doing things that way. Yes. Yes. He hasn't toned it down one bit. And and I hope he never does. He never will. He never will. Never, never. I want to talk about the Star Trek opera. Oh, please. Please do. (laughs) This is so amazing. You know, I sent you the link. Mm -hmm. And then I actually went and read the article. This is so incredible. I'm going to end up reading most most of it to you. But this was done in Pasadena. Unfortunately, there were only three performances. They all completely sold out. But it is a, a an opera done set in the Star Trek universe. So it's it's Mozart's um, abduction from the Seraglio, mm-hmm. if that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. And it's a lighthearted comedic opera that usually takes place within an 18th century Turkish harem. The plot is simple. Two women have been captured. Their suitors arrive on the scene and attempt to free them from their captors. Okay. So that's your basic plot. Mm -hmm. Well, Pop, whoever they are, has translated that German libretto or text into English and moved the harem to planet M113. And the Turkish Pasha... A Klingon warlord. Don't question it. The results are strangely glorious. And whether you are a rabid Star Trek fan or just versed enough to get by in pop culture, this zany and pitch-perfect opera triumphs in pure laugh-out-loud hilarity. I'm going to end up reading this whole thing because it's so wonderful. The stage is a dry desert world with three large moons faintly glowing in the orange sky. Large boulders are the only residents. (laughs) Suddenly, a beam sizzles down on this desolate place depositing our hero he hits a few manly action poses for the camera swings his head from side to side and cocks an eyebrow along with his face (laughs) snorts and giggles come from the audience and thusly we are introduced to captain captain james t belmonte (laughs) who sings about freeing his captured love lieutenant constanza from the clutches of the evil lecherous klingon klingon chancellor selim Belmonte sings in an operatic tenor, in English, too, an unusual but mostly understandable vocal styling, helped by subtitles uh, beamed above the stage, in which case they're super titles, for the audience. That that his second-in-command, the logical, emotionless Vulcan, Mr. Pedrillo, is also currently slave of this Klingon captor. Klingons swarm the stage, herding a gaggle of of screaming, multi-hued slave girls, and Captain Belmonte ducks behind a large boulder. The Klingons, led by Osman, the slave overseer of the the base persuasion, (laughs) sing what the subtitle describes as um, something in Klingon, (laughs) more Klingon... Which evokes a hearty laugh from the entire theater. This laugh grows to a roar as Belmonte, with even more swagger and impatience, pulls out his universal translator, and the words suddenly change to English. That is brilliant. That is so brilliant. Isn't it great? Let's see. Um... One noteworthy scene has Belmonte singing about his throbbing heart <laughs> with so many double entendres and body Star Trek references that he causes the straight-faced <laughs> Patrio to crack a smile. Okay, let's see. Well, there's a lot. I am not going to read the whole thing because it's too long, but I want you all to go and, and read this because this I would kill to see this. 
it would just be so wonderful. And at the at the bottom, it says the tickets were only fifteen dollars. Oh my god, that's amazing! I ran for three nights, and they all sold out. Oh, I hope they filmed it. Oh, I hope. Oh they yeah, it. or I hope it's something that you know other opera companies will take off, take up because this sounds like it was really, really well done. Oh, it's great. Oh, there's a note under here where it says um, they're touring with it. <gasps> They're touring. Says, I didn't see that. Abduction will play at Scenic City Opera in Chattanooga in June. So um, it says like other people are going to do it. Um, hmm. So that. well, maybe I'll take a trip on the Chattanooga Choo Choo for my birthday. <laughs> Chattanooga. I have a good friend in Tennessee. Oh, well, I could maybe stay with him. Maybe it's in Chattanooga in June. So they put in a link to show you where it's. Uh, going to be playing but oh it's great you know i'm just thinking the concept of um captain kirk as the lead in an opera is perfect well you know people have joked about there should be star trek the musical star trek star trek the rock opera but i think the idea of taking one of mozart's comedic opera operas is it's it's just fantastic it is it's wonderful it totally fits into it so much of star trek is operatic anyway <laughs> oh yeah oh, just big everything big it's great oh that's so fun oh yeah wow well mm. I, this, I wish these guys the best and i really hope that they do do a real tour and they are playing in more than just chattanooga <laughs> yes i hope they come to chicago oh, that, that would be great just great Hee. oh so, so wonderful. And it really sounds like, you know, they were right on top of the whole thing. Kind of like the Klingon Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. That they really, whoever, you know, is putting this together really knew their Star Trek. It seems, and I was going to say, it seems like all the people who do these sorts of things are, are just committed. And they know their Star Trek. And they're doing it with such love. Yes. Everybody who's doing it, any kind of thing, it, it just turns into this love fest for Star Trek because they want to celebrate it. You know, it's it's not meant to be done with a smirk. It's meant to be done with open arms. Yes. And it's it's like the tranny Star Trek, the, the spot quilt. These are fans. And in this case, they are also opera singers, the director, yeah. the author, whatever, putting their two passions together. Mm-hmm. Which I, I love, and, and this, and, you know, they're sharing it and getting a fantastic review from the Pasadena Independent. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, did, I just laughed so hard when I was reading this thing. It's wonderful. So let's keep our fingers crossed that they tour because it would definitely be worth seeing. Anybody who even remotely likes opera would love this. But even if you didn't, I think it would be hilarious besides yeah, that. I'm not really a fan of opera, mm-hmm. but you know what? I am going to put a thing in here right now. I'm doing a reply. <laughs> asking them to please, please bring this to Chicago. We'll promote it. We'll let everybody know. Oops, except I misspelled Chicago, so God knows <laughs> where they would end up. That could be bad. Not Venus. Don't bring it to Venus. Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> Chicago on planet Earth. <laughs> Hey, I think we should take a break. Okay, let's take a break. Because we have, we're having too much fun. We are, and we have so much more <laughs> stuff to talk about. So we'll do that, and then we'll come back. Okay, sounds good. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we love you and we love hearing from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com, comments to lookathisbutt.blogspot.com, and check out the Look at His Butt Facebook page for even more Shatnerific fun. Okay, so we got a fan letter. <laughs> you know we love those. A fan email from Captain Ho. Mm-hmm. And the uh, subject was L-A-H-B catchphrase. <laughs> and he says, I'm at a local diner getting takeout with me, for me and my daughter. 
While I was ordering, the printer stopped working, and they had to write out the orders by hand. Oh, my God. The cashier actually said, this is a disaster. (laughs) Thought you would want to (laughs) know. That is so funny. That phrase comes in handy in so many different places. (laughs) And anytime I see it or somebody on TV, especially when there is a genuine disaster like a hurricane, and they they say this is a disaster, I can't help it. I burst out laughing. I know these people are homeless Uh and flooded out or whatever, but I'm like, you you didn't really just say that, did you? But it it is especially wonderful when somebody posts it as a comment. And in caps, too. That's the best. And in caps, yes. This is a disaster. Yeah. And especially when it's about Star Trek and it's something that obviously does not really qualify Mm -hmm. as a disaster. Yes. Like the precious moments are a disaster. That is a disaster. Absolutely. (laughs) So so we encourage you all to continue to use the phrase, this is a disaster, all in caps, when uh, something really isn't even that big of a deal. That's when it's fine. Use it inappropriately. (laughs) (laughs) And let us know. Yes, Yes, Oh, my God, I broke a nail. This is a disaster. (laughs) Yes. That's great. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's let's do the Circus of the Stars thing just because. Okay. <laughs> so you, you sent the link along to the YouTube video, which is when Bill was on the Circus of the Stars in, um, what, 1981 or something? Mm-hmm. And this is where Bill sets himself on fire. And th- <laughs> it's been a long time since I had watched it, so I sort of forgot what had happened. And uh-huh. this is, you know, Circus of the Stars, right? Right. Like circus acts. I'm not sure that breaking wood and cutting watermelons really qualifies as like a circus <laughs> act. Okay, so you want a bill to be like a lion tamer yeah. or a, do a trapeze yes, thing? definitely. I, that's what I want. This Riding is a unicycle. Like, that would have been good. This is more like vaudeville show <laughs> of the like stars. <laughs> so Bill gets to show off his kung fu skills. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not racist at all. And he just... <laughs> gets to break some boards and then they have a little pile of pine boards and his assistant his lovely assistant sets it on fire and then he breaks it and it takes him two tries to do it and by the time he finishes with the second try he set his sleeve on fire (laughs) that's our bill and then he has to cut some watermelon and he cuts a couple (laughs) of cucumbers with a samurai sword and yeah so what I really like about this is that Bill is wearing a horrible gold headband. Yes. Which looks awful. Oh, my God. It's so bad. Um, and that he's completely stoic throughout this thing. Mm-hmm. He just – I don't know whether that was because he was he didn't want to show any pain because I'm sure it hurt to do <laughs> those things, breaking the boards and all that, or whether he was just trying to put on his persona like – I'm so tough. I can do this. and Or this is, I'm the Kung Fu Master. I am the Kung know. Fu Master, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, it was also, as I noticed, introduced by Brooke Shields, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that her? Yes, who, yes, who that's at that Brooke. Point hadn't really learned how to talk to the camera or anything. It's, it's kind of <laughs> cringy to watch her introducing it. I think she was either reading off a cue card or they had told her what to say just before they turned the camera on her because she seemed really unsure of what she's saying. I think cue card and the fact that it was probably one of her first non-modeling games. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. So yeah. the comments under this are wonderful, and this is my, my best, my favorite one. It says, I know you think William Shatner is ridiculous, but let me ask you this. Have you ever broken flaming boards with your hands? <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> You know, I love that logic, that if you haven't done it yourself, you have no right to comment or criticize. That's right, especially when it comes to Bill. Yes. Uh. (laughs) Yes, Defender of Bill, that is a title that, you know, we should start granting like the Queen Knights people, (laughs) Defender of Shatner. That's right. So that was a wonderful comment in defense of Bill, and I love it. Now, I understood, I didn't go watch this clip again, but I understood it was a compilation of his appearances. So does it have the one where he's on horseback and he makes um, Marcy be the cow? You know, let me, let me look quickly. <laughs> so the first, so this is a seven minute clip. The first four mm-hmm. minutes of it are all from the same thing. So he, he does the, 
breaking the boards, and then he does the, the crap with the samurai mm-hmm. sword. So let me just advance a little bit here. Yeah, I think that uh, somebody said something, so I thought, okay, they've also got yes. the next year or whatever where he's on a, one of his horses. That is correct, yes. He, yes. he does do the horse thing. And he brings his wife on to be the cow yes. and be herded. <laughs> she is not wearing a cow costume. No, no, not, not wearing a cow costume. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wanted to mention something, and, and I want to say it before I forget, just very briefly. I was watching uh, TV the other night, and they had on the documentary that's called Trek Nation. Yes. Which yes. I had seen previously, and this was by Gene Roddenberry's son. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you and I yeah. have watched that. So we, we yeah. talked about it, and... Upon watching it again, I realized that we've seen a couple of clips that were uh, outtakes from the series. And one of them mm-hmm. was where um, Bill and Michelle were sort of fooling around. And at the end of it, he sort of put his fists up like, I'm, I'm going to fight you thing. Mm-hmm. That Those clips came from Trek Nation. Because there's a couple of places in there where he shows some film. And they were things that I hadn't seen before. Like, those were not included in the gag reels that we've seen at conventions. Right. So I'm going to look on YouTube to see if somebody has actually pulled all those out and put them together. Because there's a couple of Bill that are really funny that I don't think uh, we'd talked about or I'd seen anywhere else. And if nobody else has done it, I might try to get it together to do it. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, they're really good and the quality is good. They're not, you know, the zillionth generation prints that Mm -hmm. we've seen so often. And I just love it to see Bill fooling around on the set because he's just so amusing. Well, yeah, and you know... He always says, you know, he was so shocked when he was finding out years later that they all hated him and everything. He said, I remember that as a very happy set. Mm-hmm. It sure seems like it. You know, when he's goofing off, people mm-hmm. are laughing. They're not giving him the evil eye or anything like, oh, yeah. look at this yeah. jerk. They're, they're laughing and they look like they're having fun. So, right. anyway, I just wanted to mention, and Trek Nation is a very good documentary, so mm-hmm. if anybody has the chance to watch it, they've been showing it, I think, on um, either the Sci-Fi Channel or BBC America. Yes. It's in rotation, so definitely worth your while to watch it. Okay, I want to talk about the Star Trek theme parks. Yes. Um, this was posted to the Shatner f- Facebook page, which people post some amazing things there. And there is one person there who has so many photos that I've never seen before. And I've been sharing a lot of those, you know, on our Facebook. But um, there is a Star Trek theme park. It's supposed to break ground in 2016, and it's going to be in Jordan. Wow. I don't quite wow. get that. Why is it in Jordan? I don't know, maybe because there's a prince who's putting all the money into it. Mm-hmm. But there are some uh, drawings that, that you can look at. And, uh, the, you know, the, the first one that I posted, the, the one where there's the big Star Trek insignia, mm-hmm. I don't know. This, this is smacking of Nazi Germany. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, when the Star Wars people invade, there's going to be film of this being blown up. Yeah. Just like the thing at the beginning of uh, Judgment of Nuremberg. Mm-hmm. But then the next picture is very much George Jetson's house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only a big part of it's underwater. Yeah, underwater. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then there's another Nazi-looking thing. Anything that has the insignia really big, just, I don't know why it says it that is. to me. Yeah, I, well, it's because it's an insignia. It's not like a, yeah. a symbol. It's the thing that goes on the uniforms. So it's very militaristic in that way. Yes. And then the weirdest one of all is it has a Stargate. <laughs> Why? I don't know. That's what everybody was asking and, you know, got no answers. Somebody said, well, it's sci-fi, you know, so maybe they're, it's going to be a sci-fi theme park and there is a Star Trek section and a, a Stargate section. Maybe. But, you know, it looks like if you go through the Stargate, you end up in that, um, that opera we just discussed. <laughs> and that would be worth it. So here, here's... Um I'll read this little paragraph because this talks about what the whole thing is going to have. It's called it's called the Red Sea Astrarium. Yes, Astrarium. <laughs> so Astra like stars, and then yes. dead, like the aquarium ending. So Astrarium. Uh, it will include four hotels, a boutique hotel that reads very expensive, a luxury hotel, yes. a family hotel, and a hotel designed for business and conference use. Entertainment. I'm sure as- they're all going to be very expensive. Yes, of course. Go on. Um, entertainment aspects of the resort will include an artificial lagoon, a 4D cinema. What does that mean, 4D? Well, isn't the fourth dimension time? Yeah, so it's a time-traveling cinema. 
All right. Okay. Uh, water park, theaters, adventure center, hanging gardens, <laughs> water fixture, and an immersive Star Trek experience. Ooh. Now, there's a picture here of a flight simulator called Wonders that will take guests on a soaring ride through the seven wonders of the world in their ancient heyday. What's cool about this ride is that it will utilize iRide inverted 4D simulator technology and will be randomized, so each time the ride will be unique. Okay, this is all sounding pretty frightening. It sounds a little weird. And there's a picture, uh, a concept art showing what this thing Mm -hmm. is. And it's a little weird because it shows the people sitting in the flight simulator. And I've been Mm -hmm. on one of these. They have one at Disneyland. And Mm -hmm. it's just like a row of seats and you sit in it and it's suspended from the ceiling. And then as they show the film, it rocks from side to side. It really does feel like you're flying. Well, we were on that that Star Trek adventure one. Yes. It it was like that. And it really did feel like you were... You know, moving, going places. It was cool. Um, so the way they've shown it, though, it's just sort of hanging in space. <laughs> and and there's the background of, like, the pyramids being constructed. So it's, <laughs> it's a little weird. So, Jordan, um, I wonder who's going to go. I, I don't know. I don't think you and I can afford that. I don't think so. But there is also one, a Paramount Park, Star Trek, Coming up in Spain. That's right. Now, we talked about this before when they had first announced plans for it. Mm-hmm. So this is very exciting that it's actually happening because I think we were both displaying an immense amount of skepticism. That- right. Well, this says it should be beaming into Spain by the end of 2015. Oh, that's so cool. I don't know that we could afford that either, but I have always wanted to go to Spain. Yeah, well, this would be the reason for it. The wide-ranging project will incorporate condos and office buildings, hotels, malls, a casino, a convention center, gardens, nightlife, and dining areas, an exhibition hall slash auditorium, and a theme park divided Mm. into several sections. And then there's Plaza... Futura will be designed to appeal to Star Trek fans. 3D renderings depict a large futuristic square that will include a Starfleet Spain recruiting center, mm-hmm. a 3D simulator ride, which allows guests, blah, 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 and a warp speed coaster. Okay, I'm not getting on that. Um, it also, the warp speed coaster goes exciting heights and speeds and includes an underground portion a wormhole actually and several loops okay that no i'm not going on a wormhole so if it goes through a wormhole where do you end up i don't know Uh, that i don't know i hope that it's in the same place and that you're not going to like england you know because and it has to come back that would be the important thing if it's a yes the coming back that that is the important thing this although it does have i'm looking at the pictures have the star trek Trek insignia several places does not seem so Nazi Germany to me. It seems much more like the Abrams verse because there's a lot of yeah. uh, almost lens flare on many of these shots. This is so true. <laughs> oh, I thought, I read I did not get it. Um, an app I read about that will add lens flare <laughs> to your photos. <laughs> Is, is it called, like, the Abrams app or something? It probably is. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I'm looking through them again, and there is a, there is actually lens flare in a couple Yeah, of them. so this is a visit to the Abrams first. Wow. I'd rather go to the screwy place that has a, a Stargate. Because <laughs> that sounds to me like, okay, they don't quite get it, and that could be a lot of fun. <laughs> wow. Uh, so this will be very interesting to see that it actually opens up and then people <clears throat> filming or showing their experiences. You know, when they show mm-hmm. these beautiful renderings of it, it's like, what is it really going to look like? That's what I want to know. Yes. Yes. Yes, we want to know. And I'm sure when this opens, it will be covered in all the, the national and international news because mm-hmm. to not do so would be a disaster. I'm looking at the comments to see if anybody said it is a disaster and I'm not seeing it, although this is a great, well-informed comment. <clears throat> the only problem I have with this is that it is not being built where it belongs, in America. After all, Star Trek is an American franchise, so if any theme park should be built for it, the first one should be here. <laughs> Well, I like the comment above it. This is Star Trek, the experience on crack. (laughs) And I like it. Please do it. I implore you to do it back in Vegas, though. P.S. I'm an old school fan. TOS is my favorite series, and I love the reboot and thought it was brilliant. I have the money to spend. (laughs) We don't all live in our parents' basements. 
Uh, well, I like that that he's pointing out he's got the cash. He but apparently only enough cash to get to Vegas. This is true. Well, if it is like Star Trek: The Experience on crack, that sounds great because I love Star Trek: <laughs> The Experience. Well, um, in the discussion of this on the the Shatner Facebook, um, somebody brought up about how they had almost built a, a life size or a built to scale replica yes. in downtown Las Vegas mm-hmm. of the Enterprise, and that. That was a project that someone pooped all over and mm-hmm. it didn't happen, which is really a shame. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll keep looking for this. Um, end of 2015, you know, that's half a year away. And if it does mm-hmm. open, I, it should be amazing. I want to see pictures. I want people to yes. see what it's like. And if there are contests to win a trip there, <gasps> yes, we want, we want to win. Definitely. Most definitely. Yes. Right. Yes, very good. So I'm going to talk now about George Takei's Kickstarter. Yes, please do. Which I just saw, and the reason I saw it was because Bill tweeted about it and said, I wish him the best of luck. So that was very nice of him. Yes. So this is now, it's actually on Indiegogo. It's not on Kickstarter. And it's George Takei's American National, um, Japan Japanese American National Museum Legacy Project. So I had read about this before that he's got this play um, that's called Allegiance. And as it says here, it tells an epic multi-generational tale about the Kimura family, in particular a brother and sister, whose bond is tested after they choose opposing paths to save their family. And so it talks about the experience of Japanese people in America, and George mm-hmm. plays the um, patriarch of the family. And he wants to bring it to Broadway. So It is on Broadway. Oh, okay. They made it. So this is great. It's a musical. Um, it says, typically a show gets to Broadway with funding by a group of producers. Allegiance's producers have accepted my call to action for crowdfunding with a minimum goal of $250,000, but with a portion, potential for much more. The contributions will act as if they had invested by the Japanese American National Museum, and the show will assign a proportional percentage of its profits to the museum. The museum is in um, Los Angeles, and it promotes understanding and appreciation of America's ethnic and cultural diversity by sharing the Japanese American experience. And George is uh, chairman of the board. Um. I think that's wonderful, and I may have misspoken. I'm not sure it's actually on Broadway, and I didn't go look at this, but I did see a link somewhere, so if you really want to see it, you can Google it. Um, there is a YouTube clip somewhere of a couple of people singing songs from it, oh. at least that much. So maybe it hasn't made it to Broadway, but they you know, are doing their, their preparations and their promotion. Yeah, that's great. So I just want to say that this Kickstarter, um, or I'll just call it a Kickstarter since that's yeah. like a generic verb now. Um, they wanted to raise $250,000. It's been up for two days, and already they've gotten about 75000 Well, $250,000 is not a lot mm-hmm. to put on a Broadway play. This is right. So I think that they're going to reach their goal and far surpass it, given who he is and who's promoting it. And, you know, it's going to be such a cool thing to have. So, mm-hmm. you know, good for And you. maybe the idea is to raise this 250 to show... Deep pocket people, mm-hmm. look, we've, we've got seed money. We've yeah. got enough to get started. People want to see this. And <clears throat> I think it's a wonderful idea for a show. Um, I know George was just recently given some sort of uh, big award by the Japanese government mm-hmm. for all the work he does to, you know, make people aware of Japanese Americans yeah. and, you know, what they've gone through. So... You know, good for you, George, and good for Bill. Yeah. I'm glad he did that. I was really happy. Yeah, Bill's a classy guy. He is. So this is a very cool thing, and it's really neat to see people doing these sorts of crowdfunding efforts to raise money for their own personal projects for which they might not be able to get the money otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, it... it I think if you can feel like you're part of something by even kicking in, you know, $5 or the minimum amount for this is a dollar. So mm-hmm. even if you don't have a lot of money, but you want to be part of it and you want to support George and what he's doing, you could contribute a dollar. And if, you know, 200,000 people contribute a dollar, that's $200,000. Yeah. Well, a lot of my actor friends now are, are involved in, and in some cases producing their own web series. Mm-hmm. And doing it through Kickstarter and, and putting it out there. And, you know, so they're constantly posting how things are going. And and I really love that aspect of the Internet, that it, it is empowering people mm-hmm. in that way. Yep, exactly. It, it lets you as a creator do the kind of creative stuff you want to 
without mm-hmm. having to answer to other people because that's what everybody says is the big downside of doing it in right. mainstream media is that you have to answer to someone and you have to take <laughs> notes and you have to change it. Yeah. And when you do things with your own funding, you can just do it the way you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I, I have been funding on a couple of occasions the Rift Tracks guys because I just love Rift Tracks. You know? I know. Yes, I know you do that, and that's so great. And they, they just had one, a, a real Kickstarter that was over a couple of days ago to do um, several different fairly high-budget movies, and they had all these stretch goals, and they totally overfunded, which was awesome. And yes. uh, I just love to see that they are able to make a living doing this and that they're really giving back to fans what the fans want. You give them money, they produce more content. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. They're not spending it on like expensive lunches and things like that. They're, they're yes, yes. Great, great, funny stuff. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. So why don't we close out the show by talking about Harv Bennett. Yeah, because that was very sad. Um, Harv, along with, now I'm blanking on the name of the director, but Nicol- whoever directed, Nicholas Meyer, Meyer yeah. are the two men I credit with reviving Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because of the incredible work they did with Wrath of Khan. Because if the movies had sort of followed in the path that maybe was set by TMP, they would have fizzled pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So these two guys, with their ideas, their creativity, and their respect for what Star Trek is and their understanding of that, is what gave life Mm -hmm. to everything that has followed. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, we just wanted to, to say thank you to Harv. We appreciate all that he's done. Yep. And, but he, he was, um, most, well known for that but he had a mm-hmm. very long career as a, oh, yes. a producer and he was the guy who brought both six million dollar man and bionic woman to our television screens mm-hmm. um and it even says for the six million dollar man i didn't know this he voiced the opening credits oh so we can rebuild him that's him yeah okay <laughs> ah that's so funny that's great. So, yes, it was very sad losing both those people. And like we've been saying all along, it, it's happening more and more. All the, the people who were involved in the original Star Trek, they're getting older and they're just not going to be around for that much longer. Mm-hmm. Well, and here, you know, there are some quotes from Nicholas Meyer. Mm-hmm. And he says, and I'd always heard it was Meyer who did this. So Meyer is correcting me anyway, that um, he, Harv, watched all 79 of those original episodes. And he was the one who plucked out Khan. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that was so key. To me, if you want to look at, you know, what particular episode, movie, whatever, is is the heart of the Star Trek universe. If it showed how Star Trek could transfer from TV to movies, mm-hmm. it's Wrath of Khan. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's where I think you see all of the characters really being those characters again. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, Kirk is really yep. Kirk, and Spock is really Spock, and Khan is really Khan. It's, it's and the story really follows yeah. in real time mm-hmm. what would have developed. Yep. It doesn't choose to ignore you know, what went before, or kind of change it, or pretend that you know there was no Marla MacGyver's or whatever. This this really says, okay, you know, twenty years later or whatever, where are these characters now? Right. Right. What would happen if they were to interact again? Yep. It's, it's very true to the characters. Plus, it's a slam-bang great story. It is. It's so exciting. Watching it again, it's amazing what a, um, what a dynamic, I'm going to use this word very deliberately, a dynamic movie, right? Oh, yes. It, it really has peaks and troughs, and it, it wants you it pulls you along so you're in it and you're like what happens next what happens next what happens yes. next which is something that i often feel is really lacking in movies mm-hmm. that they don't give you a chance to sort of um sit down for a second and go okay what's going to happen next i totally right. feel i know we've bagged on the star trek the new star trek movie so many times but i just feel that way about those movies like there's no rhythm to them. There's no real rhythm. No. It's just stuff shoved in your face, like minute after minute after minute. And there's no pause for reflection. A friend of mine, an actress, 
who recently moved from San Francisco to New York to see if she can make it there. And she's very talented, has wonderful credits, you know, in the San Francisco Bay Area theater and everything, and is totally prepared for that. And she posted that she had just gone to her first equity musical open call, and she said, and what everybody else told me was true, everyone is belting at as high as they possibly can. Uh. And I feel like that's what most science fiction action movies are now. Yeah. That there's no chance to invest in the characters or the situation. They're all belting as high as they possibly can. Yep, yep. There's just, there's no downtime whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love the downtime moments in the Star Trek movie, you know? Mm-hmm. When, um... We have the, in Wrath of Khan, the climactic moment of Kirk going, Khan! But then right after that, there's that lovely long scene of them just sort of walking around, you know, mm-hmm. and eating and talking, and Kirk actually doesn't seem very worried, and you're like, what's going on here? And everybody yes. else is freaking out, and he's like, everything's cool, it's just fine. It's so good, because it gives you that rest, but it also hooks you with that there's something else going mm-hmm. on, and you know you're going to see what it is, but it's very, very calm, and, and I yep. love that. I just love that part. And that scene has the most perfect button ever, which is, I don't like to lose. Yeah, yeah. And it bites the apple. Yep. It's like, you know, I don't know. It, that just to me is is how Kirk takes life on. Mm-hmm. I don't like to lose, and he bites it. Yep, you know, yep. it's like. It's so wonderful, oh. so wonderful. And I've told this, I've said this before, but when I first time I ever saw this movie, we weren't even halfway into it. I don't know at what point exactly, but I thought. This is the Star Trek I always wanted. (laughs) I mean, literally, those words, that that's what I always wanted to see, Mm -hmm. the just perfect blend of character and story Mm -hmm. and action without it just being, you know, exploding ships and firing and running and Mm -hmm. setting yourselves on fire. This is very true. Um, yes. So thank you. Thank you, Harv Bennett. Yes. Thank you for making it all possible. For a life well lived. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us for now. Yes. It's been an awful lot of stuff. So thank you, listeners, once again, for the email, for the things that you send to us, and for liking us on Facebook and liking us on Twitter. Um, we will be back pretty soon with another show, maybe a present if it shows up. I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. But in the meantime, everyone, you should be just celebrating your heads off. Yes. For the next four days because of Shatmoy. Yep. And uh, and we want to hear all about your celebrations. Yeah. What did you do to celebrate Shatmoy? It's important. Yeah. It's it's very important. Mm Okay, so until next time, as always, thank you so much for listening, people. We love you. We love you so much. We do. (laughs) Okay, bye. Good night.